Okay, so hopefully you've already listened to part one. Um, if you haven't, um, I would maybe suggest listening to that before you listen to this. Um, but I will go ahead and give another trigger warning. I will be talking about suicidal ideations, uh, psychiatric hospitals, um, self-harm, um, and suicide attempts. Um, so if that's something that triggers you or something that you don't want to hear about, um, I would either not listen or proceed with caution. Um, I will do my best to remember to kind of give more of a um, warning as it gets to that part of my journey. Um, so that way, if you know if, um, that is something that you don't want to hear, you can maybe fast forward a couple seconds. Um, so last episode, I kind of left off on um, when our journey with my mom's mental health, mental illness kind of began, um, at least from what we knew. Um, now that I know what I know and um, what I've learned, uh, that journey began a lot earlier than we knew. Um, but for this conversation's sake, I'm just going to um, consider like her first days as when she was actually taken in and uh, was evaluated. Um, so she was taken to the psychiatric county, county psychiatric hospital. Um, and, you know, they did evaluations on her and it was always kind of all, not all over the place, but I just, maybe because I was young, it kind of felt like it was all over the place. Um, but they did do her evaluation. Uh, they diagnosed her with a severe depression as well as bipolar disorder. Um, and for those who are not familiar with bipolar disorder, there are two different kinds of bipolar disorder. Uh, there's bipolar one, and there is also bipolar two. Um, and there's a few key differences um, between the two. Um, they both do experience episodes of mania, um, and mania, I would kind of best describe it as kind of almost like they feel uh, superhuman. Um, um, they do experience um, feelings of like heightened energy and kind of like euphoria, like they literally just feel like they're like on top of the world. Uh, they'll talk a mile a minute, they'll barely sleep, they'll be extremely hyperactive, and in some cases they do feel powerful, invincible. Um, there have been cases where people have jumped off of buildings because they do believe they're invincible and nothing can happen to them. And of course that's extremely dangerous um, because we know that's not... that's the likelihood of you surviving jumping off of a large building is uh, slim to none um, but they they don't feel that way they believe that they're just so powerful that they can do it and um, bipolar one they do experience more episodes of mania uh, we're looking at like prolonged episodes of mania um, and definitely like I believe it's about seven days um, 
you know, what bipolar one experiences, they'll experience up to seven days of mania, or I guess I should say at least seven days of mania. And, um, they do also, um, have depressive episodes and they can last about two weeks and bipolar two, um, I'm not going to go too deep into it just because I'm going to be speaking mostly about bipolar one. Um, they do experience episodes of mania, but their episodes of mania are less severe. Um, and that, that form of mania is considered hypomania. Um, so their episodes are a little different. So they will, you know, experience the, um, increased energy and also the decrease of sleep. Um, but they usually don't escalate to the point where they need hospital hospitalization, like an individual with bipolar one. Um, so my mom was diagnosed with bipolar one. Um, and you know, we had no idea what that was. And especially my dad, um, my dad is an immigrant from Mexico. Um, and so he came here when he was about 18 by himself. Um, and he didn't really, he didn't know what the fuck was going on. And even at the time, you know, like back in the 2000s, early 2000s, it wasn't really talked about. So he just had no idea what the fuck was going on. And he was scared. And, you know, I, I remember that. I remember my dad always trying to put a brave face on, but I just knew there was something, something was wrong. And of course he wasn't going to tell me everything because I was a, I was a fucking baby. I was eight and he tried to shield me from it as, you know, best as he could, but he did eventually have to kind of try to explain it to me, like in a way that I would understand. Um, and even then I was still confused. I didn't know like why I couldn't see my mom and why she wasn't home. And it was just, it was a very confusing time for me. And she did get moved around a lot. She got moved. I couldn't even tell you to how many different hospitals. And I don't remember all of the hospitals, but I do remember a lot of them. And I do remember a lot of the incidents that occurred. Um, I remember a lot of the things that I saw and a lot of the ways that I felt. And I was always just such an angry kid. And it's funny looking back at like the pictures that were taken around that time. And I look back and laugh at it now because, you know, that's the way I deal with my trauma. I laugh at it, but there are so many pictures that I have. Of, you can see I'm visibly angry and, you know, I show people because it's just for people that don't know the context of it, it's funnier to them to see like, oh, look, she, look at how pissed off she was. And it's, yeah, I was, I was angry. I was hurt. I was struggling so much and you know I didn't I didn't have anyone and um it it was hard it was very hard and um 
it was also really hard seeing my dad because he, you know, was still having to work and he would work um, Tuesday through Saturday and he was a cook at the time. And so whenever I wasn't in school for summer vacation or winter break or whatever the case may be, I would go to work with him in the morning. We would wake up at 4.30 in the morning so he could get me ready to go sit with him while he was at work. And I loved it. It's some of the happiest memories I have as a kid is, um, you know, just sitting at that bar stool and talking to all the little old men that would come in and tell me about how great my dad is. And, you know, like they would spend time with me and they would always hang out there in the morning. I mean, they were retired, so they would go and they would meet with each other in the mornings and have coffee and read the newspaper. And I would get to sit there at the bar top and just talk to them. And my dad would make me anything that I wanted to eat. <laughs> and, um, it was fun. I loved it. Um, but then as soon as he was out of work, we would drive to whatever hospital my mom was at. Um, cause she only stayed at the original hospital, I maybe a month. And then they transferred her out to uh, hospitals. I don't remember what the first one was, um, but they were usually a couple of hours away from home. And we would go see her all the time. My dad would go see her every single day. And we had family that lived near one of the hospitals. And my sister had come back for a little bit at this point. And my cousin, she's... I think maybe about 25, maybe 24 years older than I am. Maybe even less than that, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, she took care of us and she let us stay at her home with her and her husband and her two kids. And it was, it felt nice, you know, because I never... I never really had, like, a mom. Like, like kids should have. Especially girls, I feel like. Girls really need their mom. And, unfortunately, that wasn't something that I was blessed with. Um, but, at the same time, I wouldn't trade my relationship with my dad for the world. Um, I would go through this a thousand times more if I had to, just to keep my relationship with my dad. Um, but it was nice, you know, getting to spend an entire summer with someone that was a mom to me. And even to this day, like, she's my cousin, like I said, but I always refer to her as my aunt because she's one of the most maternal figures I've ever had in my life. And... I'm, that's just another person that I'm forever grateful for, um, for her doing that and helping us. And so, um, that made it a little easier for my dad because he didn't have to wake me up in the morning to take me with him. And, um, it was easier for him to go down there and see her 
because they didn't have to, you know, get me ready or anything. And it was also nice having my sister home for a little bit. Um, and we would go visit my mom and I, the things that I saw in regard to my mom and her health, those are things that I do not wish on anyone. No one should have to see their parent or any loved one the way I had to see my mom. And the way those images have been permanently ingrained in my brain are I that's just one thing that I wish I could change. I wish that I didn't remember the things that I do remember. Um, because like I said, no, nobody should have to see their loved ones the way I had to see my mom, but a child should not have to see their parent in such a condition. I literally saw my mom disappear, like, right before my eyes, and it was hard. And, you know, I, we hear a lot about people that struggle themselves with mental illness and what they have to deal with, but nobody ever really talks about the family and how the family struggles forever. It's not just like a one and done kind of a thing. And I wish it was because it's, it hurts and it's hard. And I struggled for, I don't know how long, um, where I would wake up every morning and there wasn't a day that went by that I did not think about this time in my life. And it's just, it's hard for the families. Like, obviously it was, I, I'm grateful that my mom doesn't remember a lot. Um, and I'll get to that in a little bit as to why she doesn't, but it's also hard for the families. I mean, my dad got so sick. He was so skinny. He wasn't eating. Um, it, it took a very big toll on him. And, you know, obviously me, I was a baby still. And I struggled, still struggle, but struggled a lot. Um, and my sister, she felt very guilty um, because my mom, you know, said some things that shouldn't have been said once my sister came home. So she did feel very, very guilty and she felt like it was her fault that she was sick. And it's just, it's, it's hard for the families. It's very, very hard. Um, and so 
we would go see her all the time and it was like she was a shell of a person like she wasn't there anymore and there were times where she would just sit there and just stare at us while we talked to her and just wouldn't say anything like it was like what we were talking to her about just didn't register for her and she would just stare at the wall or whatever was in front of her whoever was in front of her and she would sometimes go in fits of like anger where she would be yelling and they would have to take her away but on her good days we would go see her and she would have made me something she made all kinds of little crafts and stuff um, she made me like little pasta necklaces and she made me this picture frame kind of a thing made out of popsicle sticks which I'm actually really surprised that they allowed them to have those um, uh, because if you've never been to a psychiatric hospital um, or you're not familiar with them there's a lot of restrictions on what you can and cannot have for your safety and everybody else's safety um, because unfortunately these patients aren't um, they're not always in the best frame of mind and it's unfortunate that you just for everybody's safety there's a lot of restrictions and um, so she would you know make fun little crafts and she would get so excited when I would come and see her and she would tell all of um, the other patients friends that she had made uh, she would introduce me and so this is my daughter that I would always tell you guys about and it was there were some happy times um, but it was always hard leaving her uh, because they do have very strict you know um, visiting hours and especially with some hospitals and depending on like what level they are in in the unit um, sometimes they're not a lot of visitors and it was it was always very hard leaving her especially at UCLA um, was a hospital that she stayed at they had you know the the doors were like you had to be buzzed in but the doors had like the glass like the the little window you could see inside and You know, sometimes I would look back to say, you know, bye to her one last time. And she would just be just kind of just standing there, just watching us leave. And she just looked so sad. And she was just so skinny. You could just see all the bones in her face and... It was rough. Um, that's one of the the images that I will never be able to erase. That I wish I could, because um, it still hurts so much to just like think back on that and know that 
she was suffering so much and you know there's not there's not much you can do unfortunately mental illness is very sad and it can be very lonely and so um she did get out a couple of times and she actually did go through periods where she did go back to work for a little bit and I give her so much respect and just just so much respect because a lot of people that struggle with mental illness uh, specifically as severe as she was they're usually disabled forever um, and they usually don't go back to work but she when she got out of the hospital she was considered high functioning um, and so she did go back to work for a while but then something would happen and she would end up back in the hospital and I remember a couple times coming home from like a family party with my dad and he knew that she wasn't going to be home when I got home uh, because he would pick me up from school we would go do something and then we would go to my uncle's house or I was at my sister's apartment and um, she had moved back at the time and I would come home and my mom would be gone and I remember one time in particular I had um, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the candies they're called bottle caps um, but I had a roll of them in my hand and we had just come home and it was very quiet and I was walking towards my room and my dad was like hey like she's gone and um, I grabbed those candies and I threw them as hard as I could up against the wall and I just threw myself onto the floor and um completely lost it I just just uncontrollably started weeping because I had hoped that we were done you know we were done with having my mom in the hospital and her not being home and unfortunately we weren't and that happened several times and each time was just even more painful than the last and so the very final time that she was um, in the hospital they did tell my dad you know we we don't really have a lot of options left and this is what we this is what we have. Um, we have these, this treatment, and um, it's called ECT, ECT treatments. Um, it's ECT uh, stands for electroconvulsive therapy. Um, so if you know what convulsions are, it's exactly what you're thinking it is. Um, they send electricity to the brain um, in order to cause the patient to have seizures. Um, and this is used for people that have severe major depression or bipolar disorder, and they haven't responded to any other treatments. And so that's exactly where my mom was at. She wasn't responding to any treatments. And 
they told my dad, like, she's gonna die from depression. She's not eating, she doesn't want to shower, and this medication's not, like, none of the medications are working. And this is our last resort, you know, after this, but there's really nothing else we can do. And so they made the decision to go ahead and perform these ECTs. And on the very, very last one, the doctor told my dad, we've done more than we should have. And this is the last one that we can do for her. After this, we cannot do this again because we have already done a lot more than we should have. And I, any, any more after this, and it's going to cause even more damage to her brain because it's, they literally put the patient under anesthesia and they send electricity to the brain and it sort of, it sort of rewires the brain, I guess is the best way to put it. And what this is used for is, uh, it changes the brain chemistry um, for, you know, those that are suffering uh, symptoms of mental health, certain mental health conditions. Um, so it can be helpful, um, but it can also cause damage. So they have to be cautious of how many they do. And I didn't go to all of the appointments with my dad. Uh, to take her because at this point she was at home with us for some of these treatments, not all of them. Um, but towards the tail end of these treatments, she was at home with us. And so we would have to take her and it was literally like someone waved a magic wand because when they rolled her back there, she was non-responsive, like had no idea where we were at, what we were doing. She was just there. And she came back out and um, she looked at my dad and she was like, where are we at? Why am I here? And by freaking a miracle, Jesus, the, the universe, everything, everyone, she came back and she definitely wasn't the same person. She's never been the same person. And I, I miss her definitely. Um, I miss the mom that I used to have, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, because she's, she's a lot different now than who she used to be um, before the initial diagnosis and, you know, everything that had happened that had brought us to that point. Um, but it was, it was crazy. It was just insane to me. And it's still, like, it's just mind-blowing that she literally came back after that last session and I you know 
the time I was, I was still little, like I was still young and thinking back to it now, it's just like, I just can't believe that we went in and she was not there, but there physically. And then we left and it was like a new person and she had no idea like what the hell had just happened she didn't remember being in the hospitals um for a while and so that takes me back to what i had said that she doesn't really remember a lot from when she was in the hospitals um she barely remembers anything which i'm grateful for because i i don't want her to know or to remember the things that we remember um but it's the brain is just amazing and I don't think I'll ever like get over how amazing it is and I, I just it's beautiful like our brains are just insanely beautiful and they do so much to like protect us and it's fucking great and um as far as the hospitalizations and everything of that nature goes that was kind of the end of it um so I'll end this episode here. There's clearly going to be another one um, to continue uh, because I do want to get into where it continued after that um, in a different way uh, because it, she wasn't in the hospital anymore, but it was still, we were still being tested and we were still struggling and how it ties into the person I became and why I'm here and yeah so it's going to be a little different um the next episode but I will definitely continue within the same like realm I guess you can say um but I will go ahead and end this here and just another reminder to please reach out to any of these lifelines if you need someone to talk to and just remember that you're not alone ever <laughs>